Blog Talk Radio. Radio, and I'm Marcia Joyner, host of Betrayed by Hospice, brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit and our producer, Marty Oakley. Thank you for spending this evening with us. Our goal is to warn you about the dangers of trusting what you were told by medical professionals, specifically hospice staff, and encourage you to do your own research. We provide resources where you can go for honest information so you may want to have a pen and paper handy. It is not about politics or religion, but sometimes these topics cross with the medical field. The guest experiences and opinions are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the host or producer. To me, this is personal. Today marks the fourth anniversary of the day that we laid my precious mom, Frances Souther, to rest in Georgia after she was murdered by hospice staff with morphine, ativan, fentanyl, causing her to go into a coma and die from the drugs, starvation, and dehydration. She was not dying, nor was it her natural time to die, but these nurses made her one more victim of their crimes, which go unpunished. I know a lot of those who are listening tonight have experienced the same horror with their loved ones, and I am so very sorry that we live in a society where human life is not valued, especially those that are elderly or disabled. We tried to save her by stopping the drugs and taking her to the hospital, but we were lied to over and over. After my mom's murder and contacting a dozen attorneys, I was told that hospice has big pockets and no one would touch it. I searched to understand what happened, if her case was unique, because my dad had been the hospice chaplain at that facility for 10 years earlier. So one day I Googled, are people being euthanized? And to my surprise, my eyes were opened when I found Hospice Patients Alliance and Ron Panzer, our guest tonight. Ronnie explained that my mom's case was not unique and it had been happening everywhere and for years. I had been sheltered and was naive. My journey began and here we are today with this talk show giving victims a voice and having professionals as guests to share their knowledge. So I looked up murder, the definition of murder the other day, and it is the unlawful premeditated killing of one human being by another. And yet, because it is hospice doing the killing, it is obviously not considered unlawful. The victims that we talk about on this show were not actively dying when they were coerced into hospice and given toxic drugs to hasten their death. And many were not even in pain when the morphine was started. 
a previous program that I did with Kathy Varner, I went into detail about hospice drugs being used, and you can find that in archives if you would like to. I also want to point out that a urinary tract infection can cause many side effects that can be mistaken for dementia that gives hospice an easy road to convince families that hospice is the only solution. And because my dad is 93 and just had one of these, that's why I bring this up. And you may not know, but you can go to a pharmacy store and pick up a UTI test strip made by AZO and test your loved one's urine to see if they have a UTI so they need antibiotics. They don't need hospice, but yet that's what they would tell you, that they need to go into hospice. They're dying. If any of the information that I give you tonight that you want more information, I'd be happy to provide that information. My email is marshajoiner2018 at gmail.com. And I'd like to give you some of those resources, so hopefully you have pen and paper. Halo Voice. Dot org is an exceptional site to seek data about euthanasia, drugs used, and a safe, life-affirming medical proxy document that you can download that would be beneficial to have sooner than later. It is much more safe than a living will. They also have a helpline if you need to call for assistance or information if you are considering putting your loved one into a hospice facility. That number is 888 888- Eight two two one four two five six. And if you're listening and you're aware of the dangers and you want to help, they are always looking for volunteers. So please contact that number and volunteer to help. Another group is LifeLegalDefenseFoundation.org. That's all together. And they have access to pro-life attorneys in most continental U.S. states, and they can help get your loved one out of a facility in many cases. So you can contact them. They also can help you if you are being pressured into taking this experimental shot that we'll talk about very soon. An excellent book, Killing for Profit, The Dark Side of Hospice, by Michelle Young-Dewers, who was a hospice respiratory therapist and is an elderly warrior now. And she shares real-life stories of patients who were abused and betrayed by hospice, as well as other medical information. In Canada, because we have Canadians listening, you can find information on medical document and other information at Euthanasia Prevention Coalition, and that's epcc.ca. A, and they have a helpline, 855-675-8749. There is also a Facebook group, Murdered by Hospice, which has over a 1,000 members who have witnessed firsthand the horrors of hospice, and they are very supportive of other victims. Some of the people have found us in time to save their loved ones from having their death hastened. That's what we all want to us. We're trying to save one life at a time. There are a lot of things that I could go on and on about, but this evening my guest is the expert on this. He knows what's happening with hospice and how we got there, as well as other medical information going on. 
Many of you know him, and he has been helpful to several of you over the years. For those of you who do not, I'm honored to introduce Ron Panzer, a hospice nurse and founder of Hospice Patients Alliance in 1998. He established HPA after being a whistleblower and exposing what was happening under the guise of compassionate hospice care. He wrote Stealth Euthanasia, Healthcare Tyranny, which can be downloaded for free so you can read more about what he will touch on tonight. He also wrote Radical, Radical Deception and the Cultures of Death. In the fall of 2020, Ron decided to disband the HPA website but all of the data has been archived and is available. And he continues to be an advocate, but he is more focused on another global issue, COVID. He is actively pursuing accurate information and passes this data to others. Towards the end of the program, we will be taking questions. So if you select one on your phone, you will be put into a queue for Ron to answer the questions for you. His email, if you want information on the links or anything he talks about tonight, you can also reach him at r-p-a-n-z-e-r at s-e-r-v-e-r-m-x dot net. Um, You can also subscribe to his newsletter that he puts out, which has amazing information, amazing. So, Ron... With that, I would like to let you come on and talk to us first about, you know, how you were involved with hospice, and then we can move on to COVID. Thank you for joining us tonight. Well, hi. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk uh, with everyone and share some information. Um, Back in the mid-90s, I was working in hospice, and saw Medicare fraud being perpetrated uh, and confronted the administration. They admitted that they were doing it and simply told me that nothing would happen to them, even if a complaint was filed. And I did file complaints, and they basically uh, stayed, stayed in business, and they got cited. My complaint was confirmed, but... They didn't get shut down, and uh, basically they uh, their lawyers tell them what they can get away with and, and what the risks are. They have lawyers on retainer. All the big hospices and healthcare facilities do, and they play the game. Medicare fraud is rampant throughout the healthcare system, and many of the administrators are not dedicated to the patients, but they're business people and often very ambitious themselves. They're not, they don't enter the field in the same spirit as some of the nurses and doctors who really care about the patients. So um, working with some, actually the, one of the medical directors in Grand Rapids, uh, he was uh, a physician that I worked with at the hospice, and uh, he encouraged me as well as some other doctors and nurses, to start the Hospice Patients Alliance. And uh, at that point, I was uh, still naive like everybody, pretty much. Uh, we're naive until we're, we're radicalized, and 
see things as they are when we get hit over the head with uh, some very troubling things. And uh, so I saw many different things, uh, people uh, being treated uh, with abuse and neglect, as well as the fraud um, for Medicaid, Medicare, and insurance payments. And uh, the system did not respond the way I thought it would. (laughs) It was uh, very surprising to me that you could uh, have all the information as a nurse from within the system, all the documentation, case numbers, and I wrote a 40-page detailed document sending to the state of Michigan everything they needed and uh, in that in that case uh, they basically ignored almost everything except the one the major Medicare fraud they they simply said um, they had violated the standards and the, the facilities get a um, what's called a deficiency meaning uh, you were a bad boy <laughs> put in a plan of correction is what they call it and uh, nothing really happens to them and then if as far as the fraud when I went to the US Attorney's Office um, they uh, they take years to uh, deal with that and they only force the facilities to say they steal 10 million they'll require them to pay back six or seven million and I talked to the U.S. attorney here in Grand Rapids and said, well, you're letting them steal so many millions of dollars. And it was many millions of dollars that were being stolen through fraud. And he said, well, if we force them to pay 100% back, they'd have to shut down. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, if the bank robbers stole $10,000, you would want their order to pay back everything and they go to jail. But the healthcare facilities, uh, and I've seen fraud even in uh, some of the hospitals doing that and the durable medical equipment companies through the years. There are many tricks they use to double bill and the, the system. There's just so much corruption in healthcare and also in other industries. Um, so, uh, anyway, we. Uh, opened ourselves up through the internet to reach people and they found us and uh, through the years 22 years through 2020 uh, we've heard from thousands and thousands of people who have had problems sometimes they're not getting enough pain medication the the care is just inadequate and uh, contrary to the standards of care and, and other times they're being abused or even killed and it became obvious that there's something behind this and uh, uh, through more study and research and talking with people who are more more experienced than I was at the time I learned that the Euthanasia Society of America had started back in 1938 to try to legalize euthanasia. And uh, they found that the society was not receptive. So they kept on changing their names of the organization and using different language. They researched the language they used to make uh, 
euthanasia or the idea of killing a person sound more acceptable, like death with dignity. You know, you're right. They would use the rights language that you have the right to this and the right to that. A woman has a right to abortion, um, uh, but they don't talk about the victim. And so through the years, the living wills, the advanced directives, and the idea that people have rights as a patient, the patient rights uh, movement, uh, people thought, oh, uh, we're going to recognize the rights of the patient and honor those. And when you go to a nursing home as a patient or even staff, there are patients' bill of rights, you know, on the wall, the first thing you're trained to to know one of the first things you sh- you have to know to even work at a facility, and they uh, violate those rights all the time. And the rights to have proper care may be ignored, but if you say you want the right to be killed, uh, in some states now you have well assisted suicide. They legalized it, but it took years from back from 1938. The whole assisted suicide movement is the uh, just one umbrella, one spoke of the death movement where they're disguising what they're doing. So they have the right to assist, uh, assisted suicide, but in many cases it's actually imposed death. And say someone has dementia or even uh, they have a conservator or a patient advocate or simply being sick and they're put into a facility the facility staff will listen to the others and uh, overdose the patient or choose not to treat the patient for the urinary tract infection or respiratory tract infection. Sometimes things that are easily treated by denying treatment, you tend towards death and impose death. And you, if violate any standard of care, you're imposing death eventually, as well as if you overdose a patient. So there are many methods in the healthcare system. So you have the covert or hidden death movement, which is undeclared uh, medical killing or stealth euthanasia. And you have the overt medical killing, which is your assisted suicide and euthanasia, which is legal in Canada and, of course, they do want to legalize it in the United States. Um, that's the end goal. They've wanted that. They've worked on it for 100 years, uh, and they've basically succeeded in giving a license to kill within hospice. And now that poison has spread to all the other niches of the healthcare system. So the hospice and palliative care practices that became tainted have been taught to those who work in the other niches like the hospitals and nursing homes, even assisted uh, living. Mm -hmm. So what happens is the uh, life-affirming hospice care originally from Dame Cicely Saunders from England um, that has been tainted with the idea that you can impose death and uh, use the tools of relieving pain 
to actually impose that. So you have the overdoses of fentanyl and other opioids like morphine. Um, and people know that people are dying from heroin overdoses and fentanyl overdoses in the recreational or illegal drug uh, uh, access. And uh, what happens is people are being told, oh, there's an epidemic of overdoses, but when it comes to hospice, then they say, oh, no, it's impossible to overdose on morphine or fentanyl. Nurses even say that. I remember, uh, I won't mention his name, but he, he's a director of a hospice nurses association and a hospice uh, nurse uh, supervisor for many years. He's big in the hospice industry. And he told me that um, he actually wanted assisted suicide and that he did assisted suicide or imposed death within hospice, and he got away with it. And I remember another nurse who um, had been in hospice for many years. He told me you could drink a bottle of morphine and it wouldn't kill you. It's like just total nonsense. Uh, even the package inserts, the information, you can go online to any drug information site and it will tell you that all the opioids can cause respiratory depression, drop your blood pressure, uh, make you go into a coma, and stop okay. your breathing, in fact. So uh, all of them are important tools to relieve pain and they have to be administered carefully in the right dose. But when you uh, intend to cause someone's death, and that's what they do, they'll lie to the family and say, oh, the patient moved their toe, they're in terrible pain, or they furrowed their uh, eyebrow or something, and we have to increase the dose. They have all the lines down pat how to in intimidate and manipulate the family and make them feel guilty and, and make them agree with the plan. And then only later do they find out, oh, well, they killed my loved one. And so this has gone on year after year. But we have to realize that it's very strange. Well, when the families and others and nurses report these crimes, and these are medical crimes, they don't record in the chart, oh, I killed the patient with an overdose. They'll lie, falsify the medical record, which is a felony, but they do it all the time. And they'll say the patient had severe pain, and therefore we use this dosage and so on according to the um, as-necessary or PRN orders of the doctor. In some cases, it's the nurses that are doing this. some cases, the doctors are pushing this. Um, and even sometimes respiratory therapists are involved, or even dietitians. There's any any point where the standards of care are violated is something that will cause death eventually. And people don't realize that. You know, they think it's only morphine that's going to kill you. But no, if they use dirty technique when you need sterile technique, the patient is going to get an infection, and that itself can cause sepsis and death. So right. when we file complaints and 
talk to different agencies that are supposed to protect the patients, what happens is everybody gets the runaround in almost, I would say, zero cases do you get a proper response from the government. Now, now if it was 1940 or 1950, they would put the person in jail. But our society, and especially the healthcare environment and the government, have been corrupted so much that there is no justice for the patients within the system. And even when you go to court, uh, the cases are dismissed for lack of standing. The family has no standing to sue. Only the patient does in hospice. And there have been cases like that where the family sued and their case was thrown out. Um, Well, who's going to sue if the patient's dead? You know, it's got to be the family. So it's just insane. Um, and, And that tells you that something's very wrong, but it also tells you that they've been working very hard to make it that way. And so then we look at what's happening today with COVID um, and the pandemic. You see that hospice and palliative care, hospice is the the uh, agency care where palliative care, a type of medical care to relieve symptoms but not cure things, is applied. So these um, practices have uh, infiltrated all niches, like we've said, but they've also led to a, um, a preparation, I would say. And many people may not think of it this way, but all the things that we were fighting and that all the families are upset about has been a preparation for what we're experiencing right now. And what that is, is, the ability to impose death anywhere within the healthcare system and get away with it. So the, um, the uh, pandemic, uh, if you go back more than a decade, the, the World Health Organization changed their definition of a pandemic and uh, made it easier to declare a pandemic. And the If you look at the actual deaths from COVID only in 2020, um, without comorbidities, without people already dying, people who were not in motorcycle accidents that killed them or um, car accidents or, you know, they had a heart attack, but they had a test. Well, there's very few. Some people, some statisticians have said only 6% of the deaths would be counted as COVID. And they use the PCR test, which amplifies the genetic material. Um, And they used 40 to 45 cycles of PCR. And what happens is that each cycle, they double the amount of genetic material to make it easier to uh, recognize it and measure it. And then they can say, oh, we found this. but they are, the standard is that, you know, like anything over 28 or 30, you're going to get so, so much amplification. You know, you could take a dollar bill and double it, and you double it maybe 10 or 15 times, and you get to a million dollars really quick. 
And it's, that's what it's like is you only have a dollar in your pocket. And then they say, well, you're a millionaire because we doubled it 15 times. And it's just ridiculous. So what you have can is – go ahead. Can I ask you a question? Um, when you were talking about the amplifying the genetic material and that they are using mm-hmm. on that PCR test between 35 and 45 cycles, I had – and you may go into this, but it just triggered – that it's supposed to be 28, and for the patients who have received the experimental shot – they right. are lowering that to 28 yeah. so that right. it looks like that shot is effectively saying that that person right. no longer has COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, they're right. immune from it, but that's because they are changing the cycle. Right. Yeah. Something lower, the, which, I mean, that's yeah. so dishonest. Yeah, the, the entire pandemic response has been dishonest. Um, and, and what you get, I was going to get to that. But the idea is, they, no, no, it's okay. The use of 40 to 45 cycles of PCR, anybody who works with it, and these are, you know, labs, laboratory scientists, um, they tell us that it's totally nonsense, totally ridiculous, meaningless. And even the inventor of PCR said it was ridiculous and meaningless. Um, but they did it. So... When things are done that just don't make any sense, you have to know that there's something else going on, and you need to ignore what they say is going on and look at what actually is happening. You know, that's how you see the truth. You have to see the reality. And so the reality is, obviously, they're declaring all these people COVID positive, when most of them had nothing, um, and some of them, yes, some of them were very sick, and, and many people died. But what happened is they left out, and it, and it was uh, made known to the uh, authorities within the agencies, the hospitals and the facilities and the doctors, that, no, we're not going to treat uh, early on. Uh, you know, normally you go to the doctor and you've got a condition, the doctor's first instinct and, and their training is to treat you. You know, you've got a cut, they're going to stitch you up. You need surgery, they do the surgery. You know, whatever it is, they diagnose you. They're, they're there, you know, it's like fixing a car. You know, you don't go to the shop and the mechanic says, oh, Wait until the engine blows. I'm not going to do anything with your spark plugs or, or oil. You know, you have no oil in the engine. Just keep running it until the engine blows. It's ridiculous. But that is what they did with COVID all through 2020. Uh, as far as the establishment, they denied all the known cures. And even from two th- in the mid-2000s, uh, they knew that, SARS, the original SARS back 2003, um, they knew that chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine, they're almost equivalent, um, cured, was very effective, a very high percentage of cures, and very helpful for early treatment, although um, SARS was much more lethal than COVID with SARS-CoV-2. 
they knew, and even Dr. Fauci had said that at that time in the mid-2000s that uh, chloroquine should be given uh, for SARS or MERS, and, and he would give it if he had a patient who had those. And, but when it came to 2020 and the pan- pandemic, they said, no, they laughed at it. Hydroxychloroquine is dangerous, but it's on the World Health Organization list of essential medications that every nation should stockpile. And the United States and other countries do stockpile. They have millions of doses of uh, hydroxychloroquine. They knew it was effective. And they, what they did, the pharmaceutical industry and uh, the government uh, basically conspired to have some studies done early on in 2020 that were done uh, uh, in a tainted way, uh, a setup basically, to find hydroxychloroquine to be ineffective. And they used uh, sicker patients for those with hydroxychloroquine. They didn't add the zinc and the uh, antibiotic like azithromycin, for example. And so then they publicized very widely that it's not effective, and they said it was dangerous for the heart and could cause arrhythmias and death and so on. And it was all a lie. you can look up the research, and, and, and there's over 200 studies now that show hydroxychloroquine is effective against COVID, and ivermectin is even more effective. Uh, at uh, Hydroxychloroquine is found effective, the doctors say, um, according to their experience with thousands and thousands of patients in early treatment. The ivermectin has been found effective at all stages, of course, you want to treat early, but even in stages where things are moderate or even severe, the ivermectin is helpful. And there are over 50 clinical uh, peer-reviewed studies that uh, show ivermectin is effective. Nevertheless, the uh, World Health Organization and the CDC re- and the FDA refuse to uh, acknowledge that and recommend it. So when something doesn't make any sense, then you have to look at, well, what's the result of that? Let's look with radical eyes. Um, we have to see things at their root. That's what radical radicalization means. So if you don't treat people, then they get very sick, they go to the hospital, and then they die. And we've had nurse whistleblowers in some of the hospitals, not all of them, where they found the patients, well, they they brought them in and they put them on ventilators. And in many cases, the ventilators were not set for individual um, lung capacity. And and sometimes the alveoli were damaged and they would get bleeding in the lungs and die. Just terrible, terrible things. The nurses were crying. There are videos of this. And, of course, those all get deleted off of YouTube. But if you go to Rumble and BitChute, um, and some other websites, you can you can find those. So um, what happened was they denied early treatment and effective treatment for coronavirus with the spike protein, which made everybody feel helpless and fearful, and also the indoctrination every night on the TV all day long, the number of deaths that were due to COVID, using the bogus 
40 to 45 cycles of PCR, and they create a, an environment or a, a psychological condition of fear in the entire population throughout the whole world. This is not just Canada, not just the United States. It's the entire world right. being made afraid. And this is, this is not the normal thing. The normal thing is to treat something early. And then they talked about the mask. Every study, and, and I've researched this pretty thoroughly, every study shows that a respiratory viral infection is not stopped by a mask that you're going to put on your, on, over your nose and your mouth um, by, you know, in the public. Even medical professionals have to be very careful when they use, uh, if it's an aerosol, and from the beginning, uh, when people were dying, uh, you know, you saw people that looked like they were in these space suits with the air supply, and sometimes even they would get, to, at the very beginning, everyone was terrified, and they, they had the, the space suit, and they, they would, uh, full body suit, I should say. Right. And, and the, the room has to have airflow that's only going out one way, and you have to put on your gloves and your gown and then the hood and the face shield and the mask, all of these in a certain specific way, and people still got sick. And so the research shows that uh, if it's an aerosol spread, those are tiny, tiny, tiny uh, bits of virus, and yes, there's also droplets and so on that might be stopped by a mask. You know, you're coughing and you spit something out. A mask might help about that. But when it's a, a virus is the size, it's so tiny. The, the, um, and I did do the math for this. Uh, it's like if you had an SUV and you drove it into a garage uh, that the door was like 100 feet high and 100 feet wide. That's like the, the size of the virus is like your SUV going into the garage. And obviously that door, you just go right in. So your mask, a regular mask, is not going to stop a virus, um, but it could stop some that are bound up in liquid droplets. But in general, yeah, the masks do not stop the spread. And And if you look at how the public uses these masks, they're under the chin and and then oh, right. they're stuck in a pocket. It, it's just ridiculous to say that the masks are going to stop. But the told you have the mask. It doesn't stop anything. The plexiglass doesn't stop. An aerosolized respiratory viral spread, and so and the lockdowns. This sh the lockdowns simply killed the, the, the middle class uh, businesses and push many people into poverty poverty when uh, they were self-employed entrepreneurs with uh, thriving businesses. So if all of these, uh, the social measures that had no medical science basis, they, don't, they just don't. Um, and that's a fact, and you can look it up, or I, I can send it to you if you, you want me to. But... Uh, all of those things had no way to stop a respiratory viral spread. You have to say, well, why are they doing all of this? Well, there's something called the Great Reset, and they've been planning this for decades. And, it, and it's not just the Euthanasia Society of America trying to legalize euthanasia, but you have people who 
belong to those types of organizations um, who have used vaccines and other medical interventions to uh, coerce or manipulate uh, different population groups in order to reduce reduce population or redu- reduce fertility. And, and it's also a power grab, and there's a lot of money involved. You have uh, patents and uh, vaccines being manufactured. People are becoming billionaires while the ordinary middle, most of the middle class people are going towards poverty or, you know, if, if they uh, were uh, affected, they, they lost their job or they lost their own business. They are in great danger of being homeless or they have to move in with other family members. Their life is destroyed. And, and that's the intention here. We have to understand this great reset. Of the, It's put out by the um, World Economic Forum. Uh, Klaus Schwab is one of the main guys who's running the World Economic Forum. And his father was a Nazi uh, supplier uh, from Switzerland, uh, his business supplied the Nazis, and uh, he tried to help them with their nuclear uh, efforts and uh, their military efforts um, and, and made a lot of money from the Nazis, uh, even though he was in Switzerland. There's another family in Sweden. Very, these are the ultra-wealthy. I mean, they are more wealthy than Bill Gates, okay, some of these families, uh, they're, they're just incredibly wealthy, and they own so much uh, invest, of the investments in the uh, corporations around the world that there are, you could say, several families or dozens, a few dozen families that basically control almost all the corporations that are major throughout the world. And the Rockefellers are one of them, and, you know, they made it through big oil, um, you know, and they uh, were ruthless. They drove out other oil uh, businesses, and th- the oil industry uh, s- split off into the pharmaceutical industry based on chemical and oil, uh, p- petrochemical basis for the chemicals rather than herbs and natural treatments, and that gave us big pharma. So these big families, uh, th- they want to, uh, it's basically like a neo-feudal system they're creating. And they've planned this for decades. Back in uh, 2010, for example, the Rockefeller Foundation and something called the Global Business Network, you can look that up. They put out a document. It's all over the Internet. You can find it easily. It's called Scenarios for the Future of Technology and international development. And they have a a chapter called Lockstep Scenario Narratives in which they describe a world of tighter, top-down government control and more authoritarian leadership with limited innovation and growing citizen pushback. Okay, so they are planning, and they, excuse me, they planned uh, even before then, but in 2010 they put out the document which showed what they're doing now, okay? So 
you had uh, we have had the Patriot Act, of course, which was a big step towards more totalitarian government and the deprivation of our constitutional rights. But with the Rockefeller plan, this gives you insight into what they're doing, what the real intention of everything they're doing. Everything they're doing had nothing to do with promoting your health or your family's health or our children's health, and not just our health and longevity, but our fertility as a society, as a people on the earth. Um, the people behind this believe in a smaller earth population. They would like to have it less than one billion, and they've even spoken openly about that. And the way to get at um, a lower population is to decrease the fertility of the people. They, it's not just that they're going to round everybody up and, and kill them, because uh, that's exactly not exactly what they're going to do. Um, but well, they're already uh, doing that to some degree with you know with the hospice. And yes, they with, are doing you know, that. All the people but in that, the nursing homes that die—that's just yes. part of it. That's just part of it. But if right. you um, see, with the PCR uh, test at 40 to 45 cycles, it made it out like everybody is dying of COVID when a smaller number. And even Dr. Fauci, uh, in his uh, journal article, medical journal article, he came out officially and said actually the truth, that it would be like a flu and uh, it wasn't so serious, you know. But when he got out there in public, he basically scared everyone to death and said, you have to do this, you got to wear the mask, get a lockdown, all of that stuff. He's basically a front man. He's friends with Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum and the UN. They're all working together to uh, create this world of tighter, top-down government control, which is entirely antithetical to the United States constitutional uh, uh, republic that we have. And so they're violating people's rights under the guise of the pandemic, which is falsified. The whole thing basically has, it's not that people aren't dying. Yes, there are very strange symptoms, but it's basically a fraud based on uh, a hyped number of actual deaths from COVID, and the number has been increased because they withheld the actual cures that are out there. Right. And so you have more people dying, and basically what they wanted to do is make it, well, the only thing that will help you is the vaccine. And so the, the actual virus, uh, we've learned that there's a whole – uh, dozens and dozens of scientific experiments and efforts in gain-of-function research to take a coronavirus and make it a bat coronavirus and make it capable of infecting a human. And what they've done is pass, you pass the virus through different uh, animal tissues, and uh, some of the virus would survive, and then eventually you get to where the virus can survive in human cell uh, culture and it's capable of infecting humans. And basically that's what they did. And just uh, this, just yesterday or so, 
there was an article that came out that Google helped fund the Echo Health, uh, Echo Health Alliance. Uh, the Echo Health Alliance with uh, Peter Daszak, he um, basically fun- funneled money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. Uh, that was grants from Dr. Fauci's uh, NI National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Disease. Uh, the grants, $3.8 million, went to the Echo Health Alliance, and then Dashek at the Echo Health Alliance transferred the money to the Wuhan Institute. So you had Dr. Fauci or our own government funding the research uh, in China and also at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, earlier on with Dr. Barrick, uh, Ralph Barrick, uh, who was doing gait and function here before it was banned. Uh, and then they restarted it. Obama reauthorized it just before Trump took over. Um, but they and, have been and working. And you've got to ask, you have to ask at that point, why in the world would you want gain of function? And why in the world would you want to take a virus and, and create something that would be that dangerous? We have cancer. We have enough, you know, we have Alzheimer's and dementia. We right. have enough things. Why would you want to do that if it was not for evil reasons? Well, their argument, and, and it's basically a bunch of nonsense, they they say we have to create the more virulent form and then test, uh, test it and see how we could defend against it because the enemy, the other nation, China, Russia, or whoever, whatever bogeyman they create, is going to be doing this bio-warfare as well. So we have to do it. It's just like nuclear weapons. You know, We have to have nuclear weapons because they have them, and we have to create more evil because they have evil. It's just insane. So um, they did create the SARS-CoV-2, and... You know, there are some people who say uh, the virus hasn't been isolated. Does the virus even exist? Um, And there's some smart people who even would say that. The problem is there are people who are getting really sick with very strange symptoms um, that are unique to this COVID syndrome. There there are obviously different. uh, Some get a more intestinal, digestive kind of COVID, and some are more respiratory affected. But uh, in both cases, they, the people are seriously ill and, you know, the 20% or less. Um, but most people, you know, 99.8% of the people on average are not dying. And if the people who come to the doctors or even the urgent care emergency room with symptoms w- would have been treated immediately 99% of those would not have died and the doctors who are treating around the world have found that they they got 90, 99% of them lived and and uh, were uh, recovered completely and now we have uh, people who are getting they got sick either they died and some of them are chronically ill and they get what's called long haul covid they basically been made um, disabled individuals from functioning people, and and this is these are crimes against humanity to take healthy right. people 
and withhold cures from them intentionally, well, you have to understand this is an evil agenda. The people behind this are not God-fearing, reverent. They have no reverence for life. They have no respect for the individual right to health care. And they are creating what the Rockefeller Foundation wrote about, uh, the more authoritarian government. And you have the governors in different states or provinces, um, prime ministers and so on, the health ministers issuing dictates as if they're kings and queens, uh, just dictators, basically, that have devastated the middle class and the businesses, many of which will not come back. And so if you look at Gates, Bill Gates is, you know, he's a good example. Uh, he's basically a, uh, a child, a very powerful, uh, politically uh, connected Planned Parenthood leaders. Uh, his father and mother were head of Planned Parenthood out west. And uh, he uh, had connection. They had connections with IBM, which gave him his start. And he became wealthy. Basically, uh, the path was uh, made for him. But his father, William Gates Sr., he was on the uh, Population Council and Planned Parenthood. He was into depopulation, just like Paul Ehrlich and the population bomb. You know, they fear too many people and uh, they want to basically kill off people or reduce the population. Gates has been... uh, uh, associated with, he's funded vaccine trials throughout the world in India, in Kenya, the Philippines, where people uh, in Kenya, for example, women were giving tetanus shots that were laced with human chorionic gonadotropin, which is a hormone uh, which helps a woman maintain the pregnancy. And basically, when the va- when you're vaccinated as a young woman with that uh uh, human chorionic gonadotropin, you become uh, allergic or you have an autoimmune reaction against your own pregnancy because the hormone, even though it's not your own, uh, the woman's own hormone, it, it is so similar that they mount an autoimmune attack against their own when they get pregnant and therefore they miscarry. So you basically are sterilizing people uh, and that's what happened to thousands and thousands of young women. I think they gave three uh, different vaccines for tetanus. And, it, and it's just insane. You know, you give a tetanus shot once every 10 years. But over there, they gave a series of three to make sure that they got this. And these women were involuntarily sterilized. They were uh, against their will, without their knowledge. They had no informed mm-hmm. consent. The most right. basic thing in healthcare is the right to informed consent. And so they were sterilized. The idea of using vaccines to uh, use as a contraceptive, you know, that was the idea, you know, oh, at least for those who believe in it. And they think, well, let's just give a vaccine and the woman uh, could have a contraceptive and they won't have to take these birth control pills, which are so, you know, maybe they forget them, but give the vaccine, it's easier. So they've been researching contraceptive vaccines for a decade. And this in Kenya, they actually did this and made the woman sterile. 
Um, and there have been other disasters with vaccines. But nevertheless, even after all of that, Bill Gates is on video. He's recorded on video saying he loves vaccines. He he has funded, with all the wealth he has, uh, Vaccine Alliance, the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunization, Gavi, in 2000. And that was created with the World Health Organization, UNICEF, the vaccine industry. You know, the the pharmaceutical industries love the idea that vaccines are going to become mandatory or you've got more. They're making trillions of dollars over time globally. Um, They want to vaccinate against just about everything. And uh, they also have the uh, Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria funded by Gates. Um, And they promote what's called global health. But global health uh, is not the health of the individuals in society. It's their idea of what a healthy globe would be. And, And that includes managing the people of the earth, you know, like we're cattle on the farm uh, or right. the ranch, excuse me, and they're managing us. You know, uh, years ago, um, you know, if, you, if you've got kids and you go through the vaccine thing, you know, the doctor says you've got to have this vaccine for the kid and they throw these vaccines at the kid. And it's it's just unbelievable. When I was young, you know, maybe you had uh, three or five or seven, you know, uh, vaccines, you know, before you got to 18. Now they have 40 or 50 or more, depending, you know, there's so many vaccines and there are side effects in there. There are so many adjuvants that they use. These are chemicals that create a more intense reaction um, so that you get uh, a good um, antibody response from your body. But the young normally cannot mount a, the very young, they can't handle these vaccines. Their immune system's not ready for it, but they're being pushed on the young. And what happens is they do get chronic conditions. And uh, there is a whistleblower who even does say that the autism uh, epidemic of autism uh, was linked to the vaccines and they covered it up. And uh, Dr. Wakefield in the United Kingdom, they took away his license for even saying that and and doing research. They said he was a fraud and a quack, Uh, but there's research. The pharmaceutical industry has buried the the industry's own research, which shows any drug that has uh, adverse effects in their preliminary trials, they usually bury that uh, if they intend to go on and actually market it and, and, and distribute it, they bury that or they they don't complete the study and they just continue or have some other study done. And and the scientists who, you know, in the universities and labs, private labs, wherever they're doing this research, they know the grant money is only going to be there if they come up with positive results for these drugs and vaccines. So you can't always trust everything or you have to look very carefully and um, with the SARS uh, COVID excuse me the COVID vaccine the the data um, was not only uh, hidden some of it uh, or much of it uh, 
the research was not even completed. And they never uh, experimented on the elderly for the COVID vaccines. They did not experiment in stage one and two of the clinical trials for the very young or the, well, some of the young they did, but they didn't uh, do pregnant women. And the other thing is the main target for the justification or the, the main justification for the vaccine was, well, the elderly are being killed by COVID. They're, they're most likely to be killed or those who have comorbidities. We have to get a vaccine to save them. But they never tested the vaccines for that population. And then what we're finding is that the nurses and doctors who are working with the elderly and they vaccinate them with these uh, mRNA vaccines or the DNA uh, vaccines, the J&J and the AstraZeneca, um, the, the elderly are dying in large numbers from the vaccine. And this is being covered up to a great extent. Um, sometimes in a nursing home, uh, elderly uh, residents, where many of them avoided getting sick under COVID, suddenly died within a week or two of getting the vaccines. And now they're pushing to get the young people vaccinated uh, when the young have like a virtually statistically a 0% chance. Yes, the, on TV, they'll say, oh, th this child died uh, from COVID um, or uh, this teenager or someone in their 20s and so on. And they'll uh, amplify that. But the fact is the risk of dying among the very young is so small that there is absolutely no justification to give them these vaccines, which basically are inserting the spike protein, which is an alien, a non-human protein into the body. And, and they've been very deceptive. You know, um, the, the book I wrote, uh, Radical, Radical Deception and the Cultures of Death, deception is always there. And so with the uh, vaccines that you're injecting, something that causes your body to create the spike protein, which is a foreign, uh, non-human protein. And, and they told us, well, what happens is your body will make the spike protein, then your body will make an antibody to it, and then you'll be protected from COVID. But that's not what happened. And what happened, uh, the uh, Dr. Bridle, B-R-I-D-L-E, you can look this up, he um, and some other medical scientists, physicians, uh, demanded the preliminary, what they call biodistribution data of the uh, clinical trials. In other words, they're asking, where does the vaccine go? And we were told, well, they inject it into your arm, the spike protein would be made there, it would just stay in your muscle, and you'd form antibodies, and that's it. Well, what they found and what was known before they injected all these millions of people, million, probably billions around the world vaccinated with spike protein, um, your body creating spike protein, it goes throughout your, where does it go? In your muscle, you have muscle cells, and then you have liquid fluid around 
interstitial fluid around the cells. It goes into your lymph system, into your blood. And they found that the spike protein, the mRNA, is actually going into the blood and then going to all parts of the body. And so if you have spike protein, uh, mRNA that would create a spike protein in your blood vessels, then the cells lining your blood vessels, your veins and arteries, or your capillaries, uh, you'd have little microscopic spike proteins sticking out into your uh, where the blood is flowing. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Your body's going to attack that because they're foreign, non-human proteins, and you're going to get uh, platelets coming there, trying to clot. Uh, you're going to get bleeding. And, and so when it goes, the, the blood goes to the brain, you're getting blood clots and strokes, and you get it going to the heart, you get heart Which attacks. Which is what exactly what is happening now to a lot of people that have taken this. Right. And so this, we don't yeah. know what the long-term effect is going to be, and that's what exactly. people don't seem to understand and it's like they wear a badge of honor if i've had the shot oh i got my shot but you have no clue what you just did and you know are they going to come up this fall and say well now we need to do a booster right they they already have um said that moderna already came out and said they're doing the booster they'll have it ready in in several months that all of them will come out with boosters but the important thing is to understand that the spike protein itself is a toxin. Uh, and what, how do you just define a toxin? Basically, the idea is that it's poisonous. It's something that creates harm or death. And uh, in a significant number, it, ha- it, uh, it has caused death. The Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System uh, for the CDC in the United States, and each country has their own. Um, Canada is not doing a very good job of reporting these things. They're suppressing all of this. The United Kingdom and Europe, um, they have tens of thousands of deaths. And uh, in the United, uh, United States, they're reporting over 5,000 deaths. And we know that there's at least either 10 to 100 times more deaths than what's reported. Most people who have, most families who have a death of a loved one within, you know, a month or whatever of the vaccine, they don't know about the reporting. They're not being told to report it. And many people have said, I I never knew about the vaccine adverse event reporting system. And many physicians will not report it. They're actually told not to uh, report it. And and some whistleblowers have admitted they're being told not to. And in the hospitals in Texas, the nurses have reported, they were told specifically, if you learn of a patient who had an adverse reaction, do not write it down, do not record it as a vaccine reaction. That is totally antithetical to the standards of care. It's illegal. It's contrary to the law. So we know with 5,000 actually reported, they were probably easily easily uh, 50,000 deaths from the vaccines in the United States just in several months, Uh, not that many months. Uh, Dr. Peter McCulloch came out just uh, a week or so ago, um, and he said that 
there's likely 50,000 or more deaths from the vaccines in the United States right now. And the data at the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, uh, people who have analyzed it say it's months behind what's actually going on. They're, they're very slow. And there are also people saying that it's being um, manipulated to, to hide what is actually coming into them. So stop, uh, we have to understand at, this. Let me stop you at that point. Um, for the listeners, when Ron's talking about this, you can look this up yourself, and it's V as in Victor, A-E-R-S. And it's VAERS, and it's with HHS.gov. So you can look that up yourself and see the deaths, and you can see what they're caused from and how many days it was till the victim died after having the shot. And sometimes it lists after having the first shot. Sometimes it lists after, after having the second shot. It could be two or three days. It could be two or three weeks. And as Ron is pointing out, they're not all, people are not reporting them. So that data exists. This is not made up. Everything Ron is saying, there is fact to back everything he is saying. This is not a conspiracy. These, this is research that he has found, and anything that he is saying, you can look it up. He'll be happy to give you that information where you can see for yourself what he is saying is actual fact, not fiction. Okay, Ron, I just right. wanted to point that out. Yeah, so uh, the the vaccines, the COVID itself, um, you have a a bat coronavirus with different elements of other viruses inserted into it, and then a spike protein. Um, is it's very sophisticated viral gain of function research, um, and and there's a, a whole. Uh, list. I actually went through the medical journals and looked up dozens and dozens of different experiments and, and publications showing the uh, progression from 20 years uh, where the gain of function was sought in China, especially by the woman uh, Xi Zheng Li who's a Chinese virologist, scientist, and she's called the Batwoman. That's what they call her. I've heard of her, yeah. But uh, she worked with other scientists in China, in uh, the United States, and other countries on this gain-of-function research to create this. And the Chinese uh, have a history, you know, uh, and this is not against the Chinese people, but I'm talking about the Chinese gov- communist government. There, there's a big difference there. The people are oppressed by the communist government. And the military uh, arm of the government basically controls all the research. And basically all citizens in a communist country are required to work for the communist government and the military, uh, if anything has a military application, uh, it's certainly controlled by the military. And we do know that the Wuhan Institute of Virology had direct connections to the military. 
And and once COVID uh, started, it actually was taken over by a Chinese, uh, a member of the Chinese military. I forget the name of the Chinese. Uh, uh, I don't know if he was a general or whatever, but he was pretty high, high up in the, the military who took that over. Um, so the and also there's a Chinese whistleblower who has said that the the SARS-CoV-2 uh, was a bioweapon. Other people have said it's a, a bioweapon. Um, the Chinese had, have history with the bioweapon being used against them. And uh, even for decades, uh, the Soviet Union and China both had planned uh, their enemy, the United States at the time, and to some extent still, um, they had planned that they would use non-conventional warfare to weaken the United States and the West. And one of the methods is bioweapons or illness, and the other one is drugs. So when we talk about people dying in hospice from fentanyl, uh, that's covered up. But uh, the re recreational drug use or illegal drug use of fentanyl, they do report that in the news, you know, people dying left and right from fentanyl. But where is it coming from? It's coming from China. It's being manufactured in China, flooding into our market, uh, the black market. And uh, the British, the British Empire, uh, when they were ruling China, just as they ruled India, they used opium to addict the Chinese people and help them to be, uh, not help them, but make them more uh, obedient or incapable of mounting opposition. And, and the Chinese, some of the people saw what was being done, that their people were being uh, basically addicted and destroyed, their lives destroyed through opium, which the British got from uh, India because they were ruling, uh, governing India at the time. They got opium from areas in India, and they uh, it, it had to do with trade and, and uh, economic considerations as well. But it was used as a weapon against the Chinese. And the Japanese during World War II used biowarfare against the um, Chinese people. Um, they had a unit 731, which is similar to the Nazis, uh, the death camps and, and Dr. Mengele. But the Japanese also had their terrible exp medical experiments that they did on the Chinese. And uh, they had mice that they released that had um, different diseases that affected and, and killed uh, over 10,000. I, I don't remember if it was 20 or 30,000. I think it might have been 30,000 Chinese died from the Chinese uh, bioweapons that were. From mice? Uh, mice, from uh, mice? Infected, infected mice okay. were released and, and, and other things that were done. So the, the Chinese, they know their history. They, they remembered how they were abused. And in trying to overcome the West, they certainly are aware of using drugs, to, you know, so you have the uh, cultural uh, or the counterculture, whatever you want to call it, in the 1960s, the sexual revolution and liberation and so on in the United States and the West. 
all of that has uh, been uh, used as a weapon against the West. It was encouraged by those who were promoting communism and uh, the destruction, the fall of the free society in the United States. And, and that's been going on. Uh, actually, the communists have been working since the mid-19 or early 1900s, but it really ramped up in the 1960s and onward and also into the schools. So the drugs, the fentanyl coming across the border and the bioweapon is all part of an agenda to weaken the West. And if the United States as a free nation goes down, you know, people aren't dying to get into communist China or communist Cuba or North Korea, they risk their life to get into the United States because we have freedoms, we have many rights here. Um, Up until recently, we're becoming uh, less free every day. But the drugs and the bioweapon are part of a military plan that was uh, openly known uh, after a whistleblower uh, from the Soviet Union uh, 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 he uh, emigrated and found refuge in the United States um, and told about these plans of Soviet Union and China, Communist China, using these non-conventional weapons against the West to weaken us, and then possibly military use could be used also. Um, I'm not going to get into that right now, but I'm just saying that the idea of COVID um, being used as a weapon is certainly part of the plan that they had. And I I think it should be considered as an explanation. And also we we say, well, who's running the show here? Okay. So you have, um, you had uh, Deborah Burks, you know, and Dr. Redfield, uh, before the, you know, the Biden administration during 2020, um, Dr. Redfield and Burks, Redfield was head of the CDC under Trump. Um, in the early years, Burks and Redfield were working in the military research Institute and they were found guilty of, uh, falsifying their data. And they were basically thrown out, uh, and, and they were convicted of that, uh, falsifying, their research. It was a great scandal at the time. And nevertheless, they still, uh, they found their way into, you know, the government medical field, um, the CDC, the NIH and so on. Uh, but that should have destroyed their careers, but it didn't. They, they just moved over from the military research into the, the regular government research and Fauci uh, and Burks and Redfield, they're all, you know, working together with Bill Gates, who uh, helps fund the CDC, and Bill Gates fund, helps fund the World Health Organization. Aside from the United States, Bill Gates is one of the biggest founders of uh, the World Health Organization. And also Bill Gates was honored by the Chinese uh, Society of Engineers uh, some years back and uh, actually accepted the prize. Now, I 
I'm not a, a scientist or an engineer, but I certainly, if I was, I wouldn't accept any award from the communist Chinese and go over there and say, oh, thank you, I'm honored to get this uh, award. And Bill Bill Gates has actually praised the Chinese response to the pandemic and criticized the United States. Um, Many scientists, if you look this up, there are many Chinese uh, in the United States, but we also have non-Chinese medical scientists and and other scientists uh, in the universities and elsewhere who have been found spying for the Chinese government. And the Chinese have actively uh, paid, you know, maybe uh, under the table, different ways they pay people, uh, hundreds of millions, not, not hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars to get this information uh, and, and basically turn them and have them be used to uh, steal information that the Chinese can use, you know, intellectual theft, it's called, which is basically in the billions and billions of dollars of value, maybe even trillions, that the Chinese have been stealing uh, from the United States and other countries. Um, so... Many of the uh, people in the United States are actually pro-China and actually hate the United States and the West. It's very strange. Like the basketball players, they get so much money from Chinese basketball, um, you know, Nike, uh, the equipment and so on, that they can't say anything about China, but they can criticize the United States and say we're unjust when there's genocide going on in China with the Uyghurs. Uh, the, the it's just unbelievable. Well, and it's this, the sad is thing is, it's going on here, you know, and in our nursing homes and in our hospice facilities that people just turn a blind eye to. And I think a lot of it comes back to it being greed. You know, it's control and it's greed. And one of the things that I wanted to say about the. Um, <clears throat> Hydroxychloroquine. Yes, thank you, hydroxychloroquine. Um, Is they made that illegal to give to people because they had COVID. So there were several doctors who wanted to give that to their patients at the early onset of COVID symptoms. And they, mm-hmm. unless they had, and they had to lie about it and say it was malaria, then yeah. the pharmacist could not give them that drug for that right. reason. So right. there was this, I mean, they did not want, and, you know, whether it's because Trump had it or not, I, I don't know, don't really care, but they did not want to give them that drug so that they could get over it quicker. Right. And that shows um, the that wanted, they intended intended them to die. Right, right, and it fits with the, it fits with what they were doing. And the in the nursing homes, we had the situation where they sent COVID positive patients to the nursing homes, and everybody yeah. knows this. This is I'm not you know I'm just telling yeah. what history is. But they sent yeah. the COVID patients there, and then yeah. the elderly got it. And I do not yeah. believe for one second that hospice mm-hmm. 
because they were called in. I remember then yeah. Pre- Vice President mm-hmm. Pence talking about it. They called the hospice people in because they were familiar with how to deal with this and deal with the families. Well, yeah. you're not dealing with the families because the families were not let in. They were not right. able to advocate for right. the elderly. So their loved ones yeah. died alone, which is absolutely horrible. And yep. the hospice came in there and gave them morphine and Ativan, yep. dilaudid, you know, yep. Haldol, whatever drug they had on hand. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if they did an investigation on that, they would find that those people were murdered in the hospice facility, in the nursing homes, they were yeah. murdered, just yeah, like they, all they the intended, other hospice patients. They That's intended right. them to die. And you could say 15, was it 15,000 in New York, uh, possibly, uh, died that way, and thousands in Michigan and some other states. In Washington, and they had that, yes. Pennsylvania, yes, mostly the blue states. Uh, The George Soros uh, states funded, he's got people into power in in certain states uh, pushing come. Go ahead. I was just going to say they killed all these people, and yeah. yet we're you know every now and then you hear something about it, and then it's all hushed up. And it's the same thing that you were talking about earlier, when they had, you know, when you were working for hospice, the Medicare fraud, and it's yeah. the thing with Frisco, Texas, with um, Bradley Harris. They went after him because it was Medicare fraud, $65 million. They didn't go after him because he killed people in the hospice setting. Right. They went after that's him right. because he stole money. Right. And that's and what this, we as yeah. a society have come to, that it is more yeah. about greed, it is more about yeah. power than it is yeah. about humanity. That's true. And the... Uh, if you reduce the population over time, not instantly, then the wealth of the earth is going to the wealthiest people. The people who are at the top of the uh, financial charts have gotten extremely more wealthy over the past uh, year, 2020 and into 2021, and the people in the middle class have been devastated. Uh, so the, basically what you have is the, one of the greatest transfers of wealth in history occurring right now. Um, and this has all been planned. The Rockefeller Foundation plan talks about this. They talk about citizen pushback, meaning they're anticipating that eventually people are going to, you know, say, hey, we've had enough. And, and you know, people have had enough, but they're going to come down hard. With, they've planned everything. They know there's going to be pushback, and they have planned what their response will be. They're actually pushing to create the uh, digital currency where they'll control our finances, and you won't be able to access your money unless they, they, they um, approve of your Social credit score, like in China, there's a social credit score, and people who are anti-communist China, you know, the government, they're basically destroyed. And you know, it, it's part of the can- same thing as the, what we call the cancel culture. You know, there have been people who are conservatives or pro-life 
who have lost their bank accounts uh, their or their credit cards. Nobody, the bank won't issue them a credit card because, and they won't explain it, but these are conservatives. You say the wrong thing and they get canceled financially um, or their website is canceled. I, you know, we had trouble with the Hospice Patients Alliance being blocked, um, our emails and so on. I remember that. who we yeah. are. Um, mm-hmm. But, and, and other pro-life organizations had uh, Google shut down a, a, a huge chunk of our web visitorship um, in 2017. And uh, Rescue, uh, Operation Rescue, they wrote about the same thing happened to them at the same time. Google actively has been working against the pro-life movement, and Google actually funded uh, Peter Daszak, who is at that Echo Health Alliance that sent the money over to Wuhan. They they funded, um, Google funded earlier on, uh, a lot of scientific research that would uh, be part of -of gain-of-function research or uh, integral to it. Um, So... You have big tech working as part of this new, what they call the Great Reset from the World Economic Forum. And these people are truly fascist. You know, the fascist meaning you have the businesses working in lockstep with the government that is oppressive, forming a tyranny where the people have to obey. Either you do what your employer wants or you're fired. Um, and you you uh, participate according to what the you know the business wants, or you you don't uh, get the product. They won't serve you if you're not woke, you know. If you meaning you're not politically correct, it's it's just the same as what's going. They are implementing something like communist China, uh, moving in that direction, but it's a fascism where business. You know, it, it may be illegal for the government to discriminate against people, but a business can discriminate uh, in certain ways and say, um, we don't like what you said. We don't have to serve you. And, well, and it's just in certain ways, because in other ways, the, you know, the, um, the minority, you have to cater to them and and i i say that meaning you know like if you want to have a cake made for you know a couple that are getting married regardless of what their sex is then you can't turn it down then it becomes a big issue but um i wanted well those are protected those are protected classes what i'm what i'm saying yeah it's different Hold hold on it's a different thing you have protected categories you know like your uh, gender identity, your sexuality, your race, your age, those kinds of things. But if uh, you're conservative, for example, or you're, um, there are certain things that you might say it's, it's illegal, but guess what? There's a two-tier justice system where um, if someone's very left-wing and they uh, burn down a city, you know, rioting in the streets all summer and almost nobody gets prosecuted. That's right. But if you're, if you're a conservative, they throw the book at you. 
Right. Or if you're I mean, a you're making my point. That's. I mean, I'm. In, I'm totally in agreement with you. Yes, you're. Yeah. You're making my point. Um, I want to at this time just for anybody that's out there that may have a question. If you select one on your phone, then you would be putting to a queue um, to ask a question from Ron. Um, one other thing, I wanted to go back to um, the AG because you had said you talked to them, and. One of the things the US, they came, U.S. Attorney, U.S. Attorney's Office, yes, but um, the, no, the IG. I'm sorry, the IG. When they come out with a report about CMS saying, you know, the different facilities and how they have these discrepancies or deficiencies, the problem with that was that they don't have a hammer per se, right? So even though they know that... Uh, yeah, well, they do. No, hold on. They have a hammer, but they don't use it, okay? There's something called the conditions of participation for the Centers for Medicare Services, okay? Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS. And each agency, hospital, nursing home, hospice, they have very specific conditions of participation. These are the regulations governing their function and if they don't um, if they're found to be in violation of the conditions of participation the what CMS does or the Office of Inspector General they will say you violated the standard then they say you have to uh, create a um, a, uh, a plan to correct that okay and they have their uh, corporate integrity agreement is what they call it at that level. Okay, the corporate integrity agreements, the CIA, uh, it's, it's not the agency, the corporate integrity agreement, they um, are basically promises to be good. So the agency that's found guilty of violating the conditions of participation puts on paper, we promise, to be good and to fix this and never do it again. And the problem is quite often they, the regulators or inspectors don't come back again unless there's a complaint. You know, they, they may do a minimal inspection or something, but they're not really digging into what's going on. But if they wanted to, which is something they do in some cases, they throw people out um, like that guy uh, you mentioned, the chief executive, where he was stealing the money but killing people, Bradley having Harris. the nurses get yeah, he would be made unable to participate in Medicare ever again. Okay, so they mm -hmm. could never receive uh, federal funding again, and basically that destroys the agency. Okay, so they that is their hammer. They could do that, but they in 99% of the cases, unless there's severe fraud by an individual um, or or even a company, they they don't do that. They just ask for the promise to be good, the corporate integrity agreement, and then even if they go back and inspect, it's worthless because the inspectors, any inspector at the state level, and you have to understand the state enforces the Medicare regulations for the federal. They, they do the inspection. It's very rare for the feds to come in and inspect the charts and so on. They, they let the state inspectors do it. And any inspector, um, say a registered nurse who goes in to inspect, 
they're quite often they're given charts by the agency. They handpick charts and say, here, look at these charts and you can see what we're doing. And I know from my own whistleblowing experience, <laughs> they, they ignore you. I handed to them on a silver platter the charts to look at. And then they say, oh, we can't find the information. And when I actually right. pointed it all out for them, if you actually had inspectors who did their job, those inspectors would shut down, you know, maybe 90% of the or 99% of the hospices today. Exactly. And 95% of the nursing homes would be shut down. Half of the hospitals would be shut down because there's right. so much violation of the standard. It's unbelievable. Um, and nurses and doctors, they know that if they think about it, but they just keep quiet because they don't want to lose their job and they feel there's nothing they can do about it. But I wanted to get back to something that's very important, um, okay. what we're dealing now. You know, this whole idea of the, this global plan, the hospice is just one part of the global plan. They've been planning this for decades, and they basically, they're, and I even said this before, they were wielding hospice to kill people, and they had the license to kill, and therefore they were the sacred cow. Nobody could touch hospice. And the reason is because hospice, like you brought up, it's the finishing touch to, to help kill off the people who are in, you know, they're affected by COVID when they don't get properly treated. They just send hospice in or in the hospitals, they have their own palliative care beds and units. Um, but they're also making people infertile. The spike protein, like we were getting into, travels throughout the body. The SARS-CoV-2, they say it affects the ACE2 receptors, which go to, you know, the heart, the brain, the lungs, but also the testes. So many men become, can become infertile. There's research from original SARS-1 that uh, the testes were affected, and the research, uh, researchers said uh, there was a thought that it could make men infertile or decrease fertility. But SARS-CoV-2 would likely do the same for the men. But the vaccine with the hidden suppressed biodistribution studies, they did the biodistribution studies. Um, they used a, uh, an enzyme called luciferase, uh, luciferase. And they used that, they used mRNA to create that, and they found that it went throughout the body but it lodged in the ovaries. So uh, the mRNA is going to the ovaries, creating spike protein in the ovaries of the young woman. So when they're injecting the vaccine into the arms of the children and the young people, they are very likely making the young girls infertile. We don't have the data yet totally. Aside from all the autoimmune disease and the um, antibody-dependent enhancement where people are going to get a severe reaction later on uh, when they're exposed to virus in the wild. Um, down the road, months, you know, you have chronic conditions, autoimmune disease created, but a lot. Of, nobody in the media is talking about infertility and the destruction, uh, very tremendous harm to the ovaries of all these young girls. And they're, why when the children have almost 
a statistically zero chance of getting uh, of dying from COVID, and especially if they're treated, it's basically a zero chance of being harmed from COVID. They're so intent on vaccinating the children now. This is just mm-hmm. like Kenya, where they sterilized the woman, the young woman. And we don't have the proof, but, well, you could say we have some of the proof. With the biodistribution distribution study, Dr. Bridle, B-R-I-D-L-E, he found this out with other doctors. He, he forced them to give up the data that it went to the ovaries, and the spike protein is a foreign protein. And if that's going to the ovaries, it means then your own autoimmune reaction will attack the ovaries. Your own body will have an autoimmune attack against the ovary tissue and create very probably, the doctors are saying, it's not I'm saying any of this. Everything I'm saying is not me. This is from what other scientists are saying. Exactly. He's saying that many of these women and young girls will be infertile. And so within a generation, you're going to see in two, three, four years or 10 years, five years, when these girls grow up or the young women want to have children, that they can't get pregnant anymore. There's going and to it's be going to be too such, late. Such anguish. It is irreversible. Yes, exactly. It is irreversible. Once you have mRNA injected, this is irreversible because you're creating antibodies against your own, the, the, um, the spike protein is in your own body. Your own body is making it and, it, and it's in different tissues. So you have the autoimmune attack in the heart creating the heart cardiac inflammation in the young and, and young teenagers, healthy teenagers and young people dying of heart attacks and heart, having heart inflammation and being incapacitated from being perfectly healthy after they get vaccinated. And much of this or all of this is basically being covered up in the media. Um, It's just a disgrace, and it's horrible, and it's irreversible. Uh, It's the anguish. And and there are some doctors that are saying, they even use this language, we made a terrible mistake, you know, because these are not anti-vax doctors. These are doctors who believe in vaccination, you know, for Mm -hmm. smallpox and tetanus and this and that, okay, fine. But these genetic injections are not typical vaccines. They're creating unknown consequences. And the clinical studies, what's happening now is phase three clinical trial. It's not an approved or proved safe vaccination. Uh, The when they say it's safe and effective, that is an absolute lie. And even the research documentation from Moderna, Pfizer, J&J, and AstraZeneca, all of the research data shows very significant adverse effects harming the people um, who are vaccinated. And uh, you don't have a long-term study to show what happens they have zero data on what happens to the pregnant, and you have a lot of women who have miscarried after getting the vaccination, and they never said that was going to happen, and it's well, all being suppressed. Ask, There's tons of that. 
and, and I know that we are a naive society and we need to get better at that, but I had heard that they had 5,000 women who agreed to basically be lab rats. They were pregnant. Why would you – I personally would not. Uh, you know, I don't vaccinate my dogs but because, I've, you know, I had one that died from taking a vaccine. But why would you allow them to inject something in you that they haven't tested on women and they're, they're pregnant women and they're saying, well, mm-hmm. we need to have a test, 5,000 women. And right. when people raise their hand and say, oh, me, 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 there's no way that I, I, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't. Okay, well, and isn't remember. Isn't there a, a misnomer, a thing on there that says in fine print that it has not been FDA approved because it is an yeah. experimental, and you right. are basically taking it at your own risk. You cannot come back right. and sue them if you get sick or if you die. Right. You cannot sue them. That ought to be enough for people to go, wait a minute. Right. All of that information is not given to the uh, recipients of the vaccines to ordinary people and even many pharmacists don't have there was a pharmacist who reported that um, she refused to give the vaccine because she knew of all the dangers and she said the package insert for the uh, mRNA vaccines were blank they did not uh, um, share it like a normal drug you get a package every drug that comes from the pharmacy, there's a package insert. But the vaccines, and this was a CVS uh, pharmacist, she quit eventually, but uh, she said it was blank. And and the people are not being told, but there's something else people have to understand. You have so many who are distrusting blindly in authority. You know, it's like the the Nazi youth, um, and some people may object to that, but we are being brainwashed or indoctrinated through very cleverly designed propaganda that, um, you, you know, the military has studied uh, how to use psychological conditioning of all sorts. You know, they, they take soldiers and they experiment on them uh, with uh, different drugs and different sounds and video and different messages were heard and seen, uh, different ways of indoctrinating or conditioning someone to believe or think something or even plant memories. Um, And it's very sophisticated psychological techniques that are being used. And the people, there are PR firms that are, I sent this out in a a fairly recent newsletter, the PR firms that are being used um, that basically control what's on TV or advise the editors at the top of the, the TV, um, the media systems, which are just a few, you know, there's like three or four uh, media corporations that control everything that's in the major media. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that gets sent from the top down to all the different stations. And they are being advised and also get material, how to present the information. And sometimes you have these ads, they're very, you know, just like the the birth control pill ads where the girls are dancing and everybody's happy. 
but they don't tell you about the young woman who gets strokes or heart attacks or die, and some of them do, from the birth control pills. I even cared for a woman, a young woman like that who had a stroke from a birth control back in 1992. I, I can't forget her, you know, but that's the reality. You know, whenever they say this medication may cause a stroke or heart attack or don't take this because, you know, if this, this or this, well, there are actual people out there that did get all those things that they list in fine print. And so the psychological indoctrination through the TV, radio, and the government authorities, they're all being advised how to speak and how to make people believe. So the people did believe that the masks would save them. They did believe that the lockdowns were important and would protect them or that the uh, six feet <laughs> rule is going to protect them. They believe that because they've been indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. And so then they're basically true believers. It's almost like a cult, a global cult where they've been indoctrinated to believe in these things and then accept the poison that's being given to all the people. And of course, you know, other people would be horrified by what I'm saying. But the data is there. Dr. Peter McCulloch, he's one of the top cardiologists in the whole country, you know, maybe even the world. He said there's at least 50,000 deaths from the vaccines just in the United States, just in the past few months since the vaccine's wow. been available. 50,000 deaths. So and, we're, and they're not said, talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. No, and he says the deaths from the vaccine are more than what were from the COVID. The the so-called uh, pandemic, which was hyped through the bogus PCR at 40 to 45 cycles, exactly. that was the excuse, the justification to get people to say, oh, I can be free. I can get my life back if I get vaccinated. I'm going to rush out and get vaccinated. Well, they, that was the whole plan. They knew ahead, way ahead of time that they wanted to manipulate everything so that people would be so miserable that they would be eager to get the vaccine, which was the whole purpose of everything, the whole 2020. So it was a setup. To get their life back, back, to get their freedom back, but it's actually going to either kill them, incapacitate them, make them chronically ill, or make them infertile. And it's just horrifying. And the anguish that is coming in the years to come, in the next year, Mm -hmm. what about the families where they're young 19-year-old son who's a great athlete. There's articles about the, these cases. Yeah, I just read He's that. He's now inca- incapacitated, laying in bed after being a top athlete, Division One athlete, and now he's laying in bed, can't even hardly move. His life is destroyed after getting the vaccine. There's yeah, many 19. cases like this. Yeah. Yeah, that was there's many cases. Yeah, there's many cases like this. Or... You have, you know, young people coming up, their life is ahead of them, they're full of hope, and they take the vaccine and they have a stroke, and or, or they can't walk anymore. There are cases like that. It's just unbelievable, and the harm is being all covered up that people don't, because if you, if you don't see it, you know, hear no evil, speak no evil. Right. We don't you know. know. Well, let me ask yeah. you this. If... There are those who, you know, are standing up and running out and getting the shot. 
And I have heard that because of, you know, we were talking about their immune system and attacking it, that if they do get, you know, the next booster shot, that they actually are like a Petri dish inside of them. And if they get something, you know, a little cold mm-hmm. or something, they cough and they they expel that. Because it is in their system, it's kind of like a very, very strong virus now and that the people that have not been vaccinated are going to be very susceptible to those who have been vaccinated. Have you heard that? Can you talk about that at all? Yeah, well, there are medical scientists and doctors who are saying that the, um, it's called a, uh, a biological pressure basically created when you're, Vaccine, Dr. Geard Vandenbosch talked about this. It's like selective. It's like a natural selection. The virus that is not um, uh, affected by the vaccine and or your antibody response to the vaccine, let's put it that way, um, will proliferate. And so the vaccination during a pandemic, and, and Dr. Vandenbosch, from Germany, he is a pro-vaccine, big pro-vaccine guy. But he said this is totally wrong. You vaccinate before people are sick, when they're not sick, when there's not a pandemic, to prevent a pandemic. But he says if you vaccine, uh, vaccinate people during a pandemic, you're creating this biological natural selection pressure that would uh, create the variants that are more virulent. And uh, the evidence is coming that many of the, you're seeing uh, spikes, if you, look, if you can get to the actual data in different nations, there are what they call spikes in COVID where there are large numbers of people being vaccinated. In other words, things had settled down until they started vaccinating people. And then all of a sudden, there's spikes of people getting sick from COVID. Well, are they getting sick from the vaccine or are they getting mm-hmm. the variant? And and that's a question, but there are medical scientists that say you are creating more virulent strains due to the vaccination during a right. pandemic. And, he's, and they're saying that should never be done. So when you do things that are contrary to the standard of you know, medical standards of care, whenever you do anything that's contrary um, and they know what they're doing, these people are not dumb who are controlling what's going on. You, this is tending towards death, okay? Anytime you do anything against a standard of care, you are tending towards ill health and death. So vaccinating during a pandemic is basically medical insanity. Well, so. is that going to put... Um, so you have people that are willing to, to go do this because they're naive and they don't know what we know. And then no, you have they're indoctrinated. They're indoctrinated. But then you have those of us. You have those of us who are, you know, kicking our heels and going, uh, uh-uh, no, 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 you can take mine. Are the people that are resisting this actually going to be the people that the government tries to get rid of because we are not sheep because we don't we don't follow along and just do whatever they tell us to do because we think for ourselves and we do research so does that, that may not, be yeah it, 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 
nobody knows, but uh, basically you're going to have different subgroups within the population. Some will become infertile. Uh, some die, a small percentage die immediately after the vaccination. Um, some become chronically ill. We know that. Some will have autoimmune uh, attack months down the road, perhaps in the fall and winter again, when they encounter other viruses. Um, other uh, medical scientists and researchers have talked about retroviruses that people, there are certain viruses that exist that live with, or they don't really, viruses don't live, but they exist within us. And um, we, that we carry these retroviruses that are not doing anything, but they're activated. They're saying they, they could be activated because of the vaccines or the SARS-CoV-2 and, and create autoimmune um, problems down the road um, and even death, that, that those with those retroviruses uh, could be harmed as well. Dr. Judy Mikovits talked about that. So there are different populations. And, of course, those who don't get vaccinated, they're now blaming for the spike, you know, in the variant. Right. They're, they're blaming the unvaccinated. It's all part of the agenda of getting everyone on earth in every country vaccinated. Why are they so intent on vaccinated everybody when 99.9% of the people are not going to die, you know, if they got treatment, even the, the regular statistics, 99% don't die. Okay. And if you treat everyone, it, it might be even fewer than that, right. you know, even because, among the elderly. Yeah. And we know because it, it is all planned out. So um, right. we have less, less than two minutes. And I want to thank you so much for bringing this very, very important information, sharing it with us, with our sure. listeners. And, we're probably going to have to have you back because this is not going away. This is going to continue. No, and I'm sorry we didn't it, get any questions tonight, but I think that uh, the few texts that I have received while you've been talking, um, people mm -hmm. are just sitting there listening to everything mm -hmm. you're saying, and they're going, that's right, yeah. that's right. So, Yeah. Uh, well, people need people to be aware listening. and, and uh, share the information with others. And uh, people have to wake up and fight back and, and uh, demand their freedoms, just like you hear about the school boards, uh, the people, the parents fighting with the school board. That's the kind of right. thing people need to do. People have to become you active. You can't sit back and do nothing anymore. This is your life. Yeah. This is your children's life, lives. We have to do something. Each person can do something. You can't sit back anymore. And just by going drastic. along with what, what they say does not keep you safe. It does not keep you safe. You have to speak no. up. Um, no. I'm going to give your, your email out one more time. Mm -hmm. It's R-T-A-N-Z-E-R -E at server, S-E-R-V-E-R-M-X dot net. Um, yep. You can also listen to this program again on archives. And as far as if there is something that goes on in a hospice facility, even though we've talked about it doesn't do any good to report it, it does. You still need to report it because at some point, if we are ever able to go forward, your report will count. Otherwise, they'll say nobody reported it. We never knew. 
Don't let that happen. Report it. So, Ron, thank you so much for coming on tonight. And to our listeners, thank you for listening, and I hope you garnered some very important information, life-saving information tonight from Ron Panzer. Ron, thank you, and good night. Good night, everyone else. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Good night.